The action on the court is done. Curry left side. Crossover on Morris. Backs up. Shoots the three over him. And knocks down another one. But the night is just getting started on NBA Radio. I think we're very close, obviously. You know, some things we'll tweak and we'll get back on the horse and we'll get these guys here pretty soon. Breaking down every game-changing play. Giannis blowing it down the lane. To the rim and slamming with a left hand. Taking your calls. And bringing you inside the locker room for post-game reaction. We'll clean up the offensive stuff, but if we can guard like that, we got a chance to be decent. This is the NBA Radio Post Game Show. What's up and welcome in. This is the All-Star Post Game Show on NBA Radio, Sirius 207, XM86, and the Sirius XM app. Along with four-time NBA champion Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you. Open phone lines for you at 855-NBA-JUMP, 855-622-5867 is our telephone number. Hit us up on Twitter as well at Will underscore Purdue 32, at TweetJHood, at SiriusXMNBA. Sunday night, it was All-Star Sunday in Atlanta as... Team LeBron defeated Team Durant by the score of 170 to 150. Team LeBron won all four quarters of the All-Star game on Sunday night, Will, and $1.2 million was won for Team LeBron for the Thurgood Marshall Fund. This was a great night for sure because of the All-Star festivities and, of course, players playing for charity for historically black colleges. There's 107 HBCU schools in the United States, 10 in the Atlanta area in the state of Georgia. So it was just a great night, but Team LeBron swept all four quarters, led by the MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I tell you what, they really did, and let's, we got to be honest here, man. LeBron is now 4 0 as a captain in this format where. He and whoever the other captain is, in this in this case, it was Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. make the picks. And we know, and he's proven it, and he he's talked about it. He picks these guys for two reasons. And you and I talked about this back in the first hour when you kind of chuckled. One, to win, because that is important to him. Even though he only played 13 minutes, he set his team up to win. And two, as you talked about, to develop those relationships and those bonds and whether it's legal or not, you know, he's doing some talking behind the scenes, possibly recruiting some of these guys for the future to get together and play together. Oh, there's no question about that. Keep in mind, LeBron is the Tom Brady of our sport. Who knows how long LeBron's going to play? Uh, he, it might be one of his sons playing with him. Who knows by the time LeBron is done playing? He might be playing with But the point is, though, is that LeBron's been very savvy as being a businessman being able to garner these relationships with other players around the NBA. And at some point, he's going to want, he's going to have his own team, LeBron. Could you imagine some of the guys that were on his team playing for the Lakers at some point in the future? Some call it tampering, and some call it being a good businessman. And LeBron James knows how to get those relationships. Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, he wants to win a championship in Milwaukee because he's talked about it. That's why he signed the extension for the money that he's going to make now with this contract. But LeBron's got to think down the line how much time will i play and how can i develop another super team in the future maybe one maybe two maybe three of those players on team lebron could be actually be on team lebron for real and not for an all-star game oh there's no doubt about it no doubt about it because of the fact that you just hit it on the head 17 years now Mm -hmm. but how much longer we don't know listen we all know 
the time and energy that he puts into playing this game, how much he's invested in this game, also emotionally. But he talks about openly, I spend about a million dollars a year taking care of my body, keeping myself prepared, being ready to play, having an impact, playing at a high level. Who thought he'd be able to play at this high level at the 17th year in his career? I mean, what he's done is amazing. And when you go out and you ask the question, who would you build a team around right now to win a championship right now? Not a year from now, not two years from now, not three years from now, right now. And for a lot of people, LeBron James is the first name that's going to come to mind. And if it's not LeBron James, it's one LeBron James or, you know, 1A, uh, Kawhi Leonard. And that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And so he's in a position where he may be saying, hey, I think I can play another three or four years. So why wouldn't you talk to these guys? Why wouldn't you, on one hand, kind of brag about what you've been able to accomplish in your career, winning a championship in Cleveland, winning one in the Miami, winning another in L.A.? And how you've been able to get together with players and, you know, how you have a proven formula. We all know that as players get older, they start chasing championships. Kevin Durant, even though he's not considered to be older, per se, because look at the level that he plays when he's healthy. He finally had enough in Oklahoma City and went to Golden State and played with the lawyer. I mean, the Warriors, the lawyers. But we all know the old saying, if you can't beat them, you might as well join them. So there's a lot of guys I would think that publicly they're that they won't say anything, but privately they might be on the fence where I'm like, hey, if I really want to win a championship, I might have to go play with LeBron and maybe form our own team LeBron. It's just so many things you just have to do because you cannot trust a general manager or ownership to give you exactly what you want. We see examples of this across the sports landscape, Will, where there's a player, say in the NFL, where Russell Wilson, there's there's some disenchantment and a disconnect between Russell Wilson and what is going on with the Seahawks brass. He says, I need some protection. Can you give me some offensive linemen? And they're saying, no, we'll decide what we want to do. Well, Russell Wilson's won a championship for you. Why? won't you listen to him the same thing in the nba to me if you're an nba player you say you know i can let me do it on my end on the grassroots effort me being able to be out with some of these players have that connection again some will call it tampering but the point is though is that players want to be able to win championships the idea that the common some common fans will just say that player is not a winner that player doesn't care about winning that's not true see the generational wealth is already there once you sign the contract the money's there now you're just trying to figure out what's my legacy going to be if it's not hall of fame will i be part of a championship team because that means a lot to so many players legacy and what they bring to the table for said team to win a championship is so important this sport The NBA that we cover is more difficult than even in the National Football League to win a championship because the championship doesn't move around from city to city. Once you've won a championship, usually now here comes a run for a team, right? Two or three championships, sometimes six championships in eight years. Sometimes it's, you know, two or three championships in a 10-year span. Those things happen. That's why it's so important for players to figure out exactly where you want to be. So for Team LeBron, for LeBron to be cagey, the way he was able to pick his 
his players. He knew what he was doing. You know, on the other side, there's Kevin Durant. like, oh, let me take my, my teammates. Let me take Harden. Let me take you know Kyrie. That's fine. But the businessman on the other side, T. LeBron, is thinking uh, for the future. He's forward thinking, like, be on my team, but actually maybe be on my team for the future. I like it. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And let's let's be brutally honest here. You talk about how sometimes players can't trust general managers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times that a, a player will be disgruntled for whatever reason. And he feels like, you know what? I've done anything and everything I can for this organization. But I just feel like that my time is done here. You know, maybe they're not committed like I think they should be. Maybe they're not helping me get players. So what do they do? They go to the front office and hopefully respectfully, the front office keeps it quiet. The player and their agent keeps it quiet. They go to the the general manager in the front office and they're really like, hey, can you please help me? I think that I've run my course here. I'd like to be traded. And a lot of teams are say they're, they're like, for whatever reason, maybe they don't want to trade that player because of the value and they feel like the value that they won't be able to get in return. Uh, a general manager or front office will be like, I tell you what, we've actually tried to trade you, but there hasn't been a lot of interest and in whether that's a true story or not. But I know for a fact how many times front offices have told players, how about you, your agent, bring us some deals and help us trade you? They're basically telling them, get your agent to do the work. If your agent brings us something that we feel like is worthy and we can get some value back for you, we'll consider it. And right now, is there a more powerful agent than Rich Paul and Clutch Sports in the NBA because of LeBron and the things that he can do? And I know a lot of players have now signed with him. A couple of players have left. But that's the power of an agent as well. You, took, you take LeBron James and Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. There's not a more powerful duo in the NBA and you think about the things that they can get done behind closed doors to help not only the Lakers, but who knows what other franchise in the future, wherever LeBron may be, to win another championship. With Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you on our all-star postgame show here on NBA Radio. Let's hear from LeBron James, who met with the press after the game as Team LeBron gets the job done defeating Team Durant in Atlanta. Absolutely. That's why I drafted him, man. It's a... Uh guys that I obviously compete against you know, on a nightly basis, but guys that I'm just in awe of, and Giannis and Steph. It's my first time teaming up with Steph, and uh, it was an honor to be on the floor with them, man. Um, you know, a guy that I've seen, you know, come and, and be the player that he is today. Um, but it was just, uh, it was great to be out there with Steph and Giannis and the rest of the guys, too. Obviously, this process was kind of, it, it. it is what it was, I, I suppose, probably without a better way of putting it, but now that you're through it, $3 million raised for HBCUs, uh, a pretty good show. Kind of, what, what did you make of the day? Um, well, anytime you're able to benefit, um, you know, a, a situation like the HBCUs, um, you know, or, you know, give back to the communities that um, that don't get the support that they, we wish that they would get more of, I think it's all beneficial. So, you know, um, and all in all, you know, obviously the league did a hell of a job of being able to put this together still. Uh, the PA did a great job of, uh, of backing that. And then us as the players, we, we came in and did our job, and uh, we get ready for the second half of the season. What, what do you do now the rest of this week? Uh, head back to L.A. and uh, you know, spend a couple of days with my family. 
um, and then start preparing. I'm going to keep my body fresh and work out, train, and uh, just get ready for the second half to go. Do you think these couple days, it's just I'm the only one in here, I'm just going to keep asking questions. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, you, you, think, uh, you think these couple days can, can be a recharger for you? Is it enough time? I mean, I hope so. Um, is it enough time? I, I'll take any time, Dan, obviously. Um, so I'll take full advantage of the time that we have. Is it enough time? No, it's never enough time, but uh, we're not on the side of time. You know, I'm not on the side of time, but I'll take full advantage of what I have and, uh, and, and be, uh, be okay with it. You guys have been pretty open about having to use games as practices. I was asking guys about the thought they I mean, practice in the, in the 2021 season isn't probably a real thing. Um, what can you actually really expect to get out of a practice now? And how have you got, how have you, I mean, it's changed a ton in your career too, um, what a practice even is. Um, I guess what's a, what's a practice in 2021 like? Um, first of all, it's very challenging. One, you have to, um, you know, in order to just, you know, get into the building, you have to take a, a test. Uh, you have to wait 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour for the results to come back. Some some guys' results come back faster than others. There can be a possible time where it could be an invalid test. You have to test again. So you may miss, um, you know, a workout that you had scheduled. You may miss uh, prepping yourself to get ready for a practice. Um, and then once you get into the building, um, you know, it's just it's very challenging. Um, you, you're playing every other day. Um, you don't know when you're going to have practice time. Uh, you don't know as far as with the you know restrictions and with COVID and things of nature. You're going to have all your guys. So it's been very challenging for all the teams, uh, not just us. Um, it's something that I've never experienced before in my career. Um, and it's not allowed you to, uh, you know, you hear the word practice makes perfect. And, that, and that's true. Um, it's true. And you have not had a lot of time to do that. Um, you're 4-0. In these games now, when you've gotten to pick your team like this, do a little smile on that. Well, uh, this mean what you're gonna be a GM now when you retire? Is that the plan? Uh, I hope that they, they allow me to retire from being uh, an all-star, uh, you know, uh, captain, uh, so I can retire with a perfect four and zero record. Uh, you know, I keep that forever, uh, but we, we just see what happens. But um, I always try to pick the right team, you know, and uh, I've been lucky enough for four years. Uh, to pick the right team, guys go out and compete uh, and, and play to win. And uh, I've been on the winning side of all four. Fun talk, LeBron. I'll see you in a few days. All right, Dan. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, we're going to uh, – oh, LeBron, LeBron uh, we have a couple more questions. Just two more questions for you. Maximilian. Okay. Okay, great. I was wondering if there's been any debates or any discussions in front of the game or ahead of the game uh, to use this platform to, again, again raise awareness for racial inequality, inequalities and stuff. Um with like, I don't know, protesting during the anthem or anything, or is that is that a past thing, kind of? No, nah, I don't want to say it's a past thing, but we didn't have any discussions about it. I think the one thing that our players do a hell of a job of, always uh, talking about social injustice and talking about voter suppression and talking about uh, cystic racism, systematic racism, and things that goes on in our community, things that goes on in America. Um, so we, we, we have this platform, and uh, we always use that to the best of our ability, you know, um, um, on, on shedding light on those situations. Okay, and we'll take one last question from Leonardo Torres. Hi, LeBron. It's Leonardo Torres from Peru. LeBron, with four titles, finals MVP, and another trophies, what's next for LeBron James? What is the next big goal? Maybe to play with Bronny in the NBA? <laughs> um, you know, that's definitely one of my goals, but that's a long-term goal. Obviously, my son right now is uh, 
you know, in high school and enjoying, uh, you know, what being a teenager is all about. So, um, but that would be pretty cool uh, to go on my resume if I'm able to be on the same court as my son someday in this league. The league has given me so much, and uh, I just try to give back to it. So, if I'm able to give back, you know, the way I play the game, the way I inspire the game, the way I, what I brought to the game, and also be able to give back by, you know, giving my son uh, or lending my son uh, to the NBA. Uh, that would be a treat for me. It would be a, uh, an honor for myself. But um, I got a lot of things that I'm still um, you know, passionate about and, and motivated about still doing in my career. And, um, and I'm still trying to win tra- championships. So, um, you know, that is the goal right now, and that is the motivation right now. LeBron James meeting with the media after the All-Star game as Team LeBron obliterates Team Durant, and again, for a great cause for HBCUs in Atlanta. You are with us here on NBA Radio, the All-Star Post Game Show, with Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you. And the last question I thought was very interesting, as I told you, Will, he, to, to me, he's the Tom Brady of our sport, of the NBA. I don't know how many more years is left with LeBron, but coming out of the bubble, winning the championship, a few months later, he's on the floor. He took one game, and, and the Lakers told him, hey, you can't play that last game of the regular season. Rest up. He played all throughout with Anthony Davis's uh, injuries. What happened with uh, Dennis Schroeder was out for some games, and he just continued to play. That guy's a machine. He really is, and he takes care of himself physically and mentally. Um, You know, he made the statement. He goes, listen, if I'm physically able, I'm going to play. Mm -hmm. I want to play. I enjoy playing. He was very adamant about it. Now, because we talk about 17 years in the league, the number of minutes that he's played, the miles on his body, you know, but that's, again, he spends over a million dollars a year taking care of himself. So he, like he talked about, he's going to go back to LA and why he's kind of catching up with his family, spending some, some time with them in preparation for the second half of the season. He's going to be doing whatever it takes. You heard him talk about it. It's not like he's going to take these next four days off before their next game. He's still going to train. He's still going to work out. You know, he, he has a mindset. He has a plan. He, you know, he knows exactly what he wants to do between now and, and their next game. And some of that is practice because they haven't been able to practice a lot during the season. You know, as you talked about, <clears throat> when he did the draft on Thursday night, even though that was taped Wednesday, played Thursday, he talked about how he wasn't going to play that last game of the first half of the season because what did he want to do? He kind of did a little bit of a 180, but I have, I have a feeling that Rob Palenka and the rest of the, the Lakers organization have kind of been chipping away at him a little bit, talking about, hey, man, let's kind of t- let's uh, dial it down a little bit Let's try to get your minutes down. You know, let's let's help you take care of your body so you're not, you know, worn out physically and mentally. And let's I, – I, I'm really interested to see how many games he plays in the second half, you know, getting AD back, getting him healthy, and kind of getting this team in the right place, probably more mentally than physically, in preparation to make another run for a championship. With Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you on our all-star post-game show right here on NBA Radio. Sunday night, Giannis Antetokounmpo was able to win the Kobe Bryant MVP award. So Kobe Bryant was so great for this league, and they named the MVP award uh, in his honor, in his name. So Giannis got a chance to talk to Mark Kessinger as well as John Barry on ESPN Radio. Here's Giannis after the competition with ESPN. Giannis, uh, it's uh, Mark and JB upstairs. We were just watching you. Uh, enjoy this and take this in with your young son. 
Uh, you're and you're holding him right now as you win MVP of the All Star Game. What is this moment? felt like for you here in the last uh, five minutes or so uh, it, it was a great moment and uh, you know I'm happy that the team you know team run um, had fun and uh, you know going down the stretch we say we're going to keep having fun and um, you know we wanted from the from the start we said we're going to try to win every quarter we're going to try to win the game and uh, well, we had fun uh, doing it and uh, it, it was nice it was a nice night did you know throughout the night Giannis that you hadn't missed no, I didn't. Uh, Nico told me. Yeah, Nikola Jokic told me I was 16 for 16. Yeah. And uh, I was surprised. I was surprised. I was just trying to have fun. I was just trying to enjoy the moment. And uh, this is my first time my son came to the All-Star game and uh, watched me play. And uh, I was just trying to, you know, um, involve him as much as possible. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you're having fun, everything takes care of itself. That's well, that, was, that was an all-star record. The best was eight of eight, so you doubled that. And, wait, I'll have to ask, did you call bank on both of those threes, Giannis? Come on. I did. I called ahead, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I called ahead, and they told me it's it's closed because it's Sunday, but they're going to for me, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was open for me, so thank God. I right? doubt you ever have to go to the bank. Banks are open in Milwaukee late on a Sunday and in Atlanta as well. You mentioned how much fun you were having down there. Uh, we remarked that during the game. You're already, you know, five. This is five All-Star games. How do you keep that kind of joyful, uh, youthful enthusiasm in a grind sport as pro basketball? You never take nothing for granted. You never take nothing for granted, and especially me. You know, there can be other guys that, you know, they're supposed to be here. You know, I don't supposed to be here. You know, and um, I just try to enjoy every every moment that I'm here around great players. LeBron, Kerry, Chris Paul, them, every, everybody that was in the, uh, my team. And um, I just try to have fun. Uh, because one day, one day is all going to be over. And uh, as long as I'm here, I'm going to try to have fun and enjoy every moment and make every moment count. Uh, you, when you heard the starting five, you said it's over. You were right, right? I, I was right, right? We won, we won every quarter. You did, and, yeah. And we won the game. Like, LeBron should not only be a player, should be a GM. He's outstanding. No, he, he, he's going to buy his own team, and then he can be whatever he wants. Oh, yeah, for sure. Giannis, enjoy this moment uh, with your son. Uh, we appreciate you coming over for a few minutes, and have a great second half. We look forward to seeing you down the road. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. Guys. Giannis Dedekumbo, the uh, most valuable player of the 70th All-Star Game. 35 points, Will, 16 for 16 from the field, 3 for 3 from three-point range. He had seven rebounds and three assists. Giannis deserved an MVP award because he was outstanding for Team LeBron. Uh, that's very well put. Outstanding, and basically LeBron's a genius. That was his first pick in the draft. Yes. He's now 4-0. He got the first pick. He picked Giannis. He picked the MVP. Who knew? Obviously, LeBron did. It is perfect, for sure. Coming up next, we talk about uh, just how spectacular Steph Curry was on Sunday night to help Team LeBron with his 28 points and 10 for 19 from the field. How great was Steph Curry? We talk about it next, along with Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you. The All-Star Postgame Show rolls on right here on NBA Radio. And forth we go, a 68-67 Team LeBron lead. Here's Steph Curry trying to put Zach Levine on skates. Lost it back to half court. Says, I can shoot from here. And he buries another near 40-footer from on top. Come on, Steph. Welcome back to the SiriusXM NBA Radio postgame show. 
Right there on ESPN Radio, you heard Steph Curry with a three there. He had a lot of them. Eight for 16 from three. 28 points along with four assists in 22 minutes of play. Steph Curry not only was able to be a catalyst for Team LeBron in that 170-150 victory over Team Durant, but also once again won the three-point competition. With Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you. This is our all-star post-game show. Glad that you're with us here on NBA Radio. I tell you what, it's amazing. I mean, you talk about someone that's unguardable, limitless range from three. Will, he is the greatest shooter I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of basketball in my years. In your era, there was a lot of terrific three-point shooters. But, of course, a lot of those guys were catch-and-shoot guys. They had to be in a certain position. The, the weather had to be perfect. The lighting had to be just right. But for Steph, it doesn't matter. He shoots it from anywhere on the floor, and it looks like it's going to go in. And more times than not, it does. How he's impacted the game is just amazing because he's, you know, analytics came in. He was the perfect guy to play the game at the perfect time and with, with the analytics and the way it's used. His ability to, to knock down a three with ease, the range of which he shoots a three, he's changed how other players, even guys that he's playing against, Everybody has seen now the range that Damian Lillard has. But where do you think he figured out that he had to extend his range? He couldn't just be a three-point shooter. He wins the All-Star game, closes it down with a jump shot from half court. And who was the first guy to ever do that? That Steph Curry had that range. You know, there's always going to be, from this point forward, who's the next Michael Jordan? Was it Kobe? Is it LeBron? But you know the other thing that people are now going to be doing is making that comparison. Who's the next Steph Curry? Who's the guy that can shoot the ball with ease? Who's the guy that has that range? As you talked about, limitless range. And I talk about this all the time. You know, back when I played in the 90s, it was anchor your heels on the three-point line, and that's where you pick up your man, and that's where you start playing defense. Well, now it's totally different. You anchor your heels at the half court line and you pick up your man there because there's so many guys in the league and it started out with Steph Curry can literally shoot from half court and they shoot a pretty high percentage. I mean, it's, what was it Ali LaForce made the comment? I think that he said 102 threes from beyond 29 feet. And that's where those two Mountain Dew balls that he had to knock down to win the three-point contest. That was the difference. But you're right. And he just continues to amaze. He continues to surprise. And he's like one of those guys, there's the old saying, he's open when he gets out of his car in the parking lot because you have to guard him pretty much the minute he steps on the other side of half court. It, it's just it's just amazing. I'll ask you this, though, as someone that was on the floor for some of the all-time great shooters, right? You're on the floor when Drazen Petrovic was shooting the basketball for the Nets. The, the players like Mark Price, 
who was great from not only from the foul line, 90%, but also shot 40% from three-point range in his 12-year career. You were on the floor for Peja on those early those early days with the Sacramento Kings when he played for a 6'10 forward, being able to shoot that well. Something like 60, uh, sorry, 40% from three. J.J. Redick, players like Steve Kerr, your old teammate, Dirk Davidson. Well, having, to, having to go against Reggie Miller four Reggie times Miller. a year and then in the playoffs. Steve Nash, Kyle Korver, it goes on and on, right, of all-time greats. So am I going over the top when I say he's unguardable, Steph Curry? Because these some of those players I mentioned, I could throw Larry Bird in there, uh, Ray Allen. A lot of those guys were catch-and-shoot guys, and they could, didn't do it off the bounce or being able to shoot it from range. Is Steph Curry so unguardable that it's just impossible for you to guard that guy? To a certain extent, yes, but I'd have to answer that no. But what he does do is because of his limitless range and how far out he can shoot and the high percentage and the consistency that he can knock down those shots, especially in late game situations, not just late shot clock situations, late game situations where you feel like you've played solid defense for 21, 22, 23 seconds. He hits a a, a 29, 30, 35 footer as the shot clock horn expires. And it just basically it just is is mentally it's just you you crumble because of the fact that you try to figure out what can we do to slow that guy down. And the problem is because of his range, you're like, okay, we got to double team that guy to take the ball out of his hands. And then if he can beat the double team with the pass. Then it's four on three, and then those odds considerably favor the offense, and that's how he affects your defense. And it just it, it coaches lose sleep at night trying to figure out how do you guard a guy that has such incredible range. But not only is he such a great shooter, and how he's affected the game, and how he's changed the game, it's a generational talent, as people like to say. But he's also a really good ball handler, a nice point guard. And quite possibly, Jonathan, the second best shooter of all time might be his teammate who's currently hurt at the moment and one of the prettiest naturalist shots of all time is Clay Thompson. Mark Kessinger and John Barry from ESPN Radio get a chance to talk to Steph Curry after the competition. The uh, Mountain Dew three-point contest winner for the second time in his career, the Warriors, Steph Curry. Steph, congratulations. Is that a lot of fun down there? A lot of fun. We're making the most of this, uh, I'll call it the weekend, but tonight. And, um, you know, this goes competition, the three-point contest. We had a great field. Guy shot well. Mike put a lot of pressure on me that last round, and I knew going into the, you know, the second half of, you know, my final round, I needed to make some shots and didn't know it was going to come down to the last one, but thankfully it went in. Well, first, you, you mentioned pressure. I think the pressure is totally on you, right? I mean, these guys have nothing to lose. Everybody thinks you have to win this. And, I mean, the pressure had to be on you. Did you know that last shot was make you lose, make you make win, miss you lose? I didn't know that. I knew, well, I knew it was a big shot in terms of, uh, I mean, it's not that many people in here, but there was a little buzz going on, um, especially in the last, the last rack. Uh, but when I, I kind of out of the corner of my eye, I saw the other guys on the, on the bench kind of, uh, you know, having some, some, some reactions, knowing that it was a big shot. And thankfully, it went in, and then I kind of felt that I won after it, that. It seemed like the first spot was your struggle spot. Is that just because you need to get get moving a little bit, get a little rhythm? That's the hardest part of the three-point shootout, um, especially having done it you know, a bunch of times where you're sitting around, um, sitting on the bench, talking, not really focused. Then you got to go straight into it, mm-hmm. and the balls are just sitting there waiting for you on the rack. So 
Uh, you know, you, it's kind of hit or miss depending on what your rhythm's like straight up. But that's why, you know, I, I probably I, I shoot a lot better as, as the uh, as the minute goes on. A little different twist now. Uh, you get about 35 minutes until the All-Star game. So, <laughs> so get ready. I'm warmed up now, so I should be good. Congrats, Steph. Thank you very play, much. Uh, play well this week. Uh, hit him straight or curve it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He'll go to Shambo on us, uh, I'm pretty sure. That's Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry wins a three-point competition and also a big-time player for Team LeBron as he only played 22 minutes, but he had 28 points and put on a three-point arsenal, 8-for-16. With Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you on our All-Star postgame show on NBA Radio. How about some of the other competition? Like what the slam dunk competition, Will? Because of the lack of name recognition, I'm, I haven't been into this part of the All-Star weekend in a long time. Nothing against Anthony Simons or Obi Toppin. It's it's not it's not about that. It's just that it's not what it was years ago. It seems like I've every I've seen every dunk in the history of our sport, including the Larry Nance senior two dunks at once. I mean, I, I've seen it all, right? From that all the way to where we are right now. I will say that I'm so glad that young Simons did not actually kiss the rim. Because then he would need some dental work afterwards. Uh, but he did at least put, blow a kiss as he was able to win the slam dunk competition. To me, when we get back to the weekend of the All-Star weekend, we have Saturday and Sunday. I have no problem if the, all, if the dunk contest is first. Because to me, the, the three-point competition is the main event. Because that's where the NBA is leading to. How far can you shoot it? How many times can you shoot it? That's where we are today. The dunk just seems like it's part of the NBA's past. Well, there's no doubt that the three-point contest from a competitive level and from an anticipation level has surpassed the dunk contest. But the one thing I continue to say and, and to really... <clears throat> get the dunk contest back, you know, we have to find a way to get the best dunkers, regardless of their age, back into the dunk contest to get it to be prominent again. And unfortunately, the only way I feel that that can really happen is if they significantly raise the prize money. And maybe, Jonathan, they don't necessarily raise the prize money so that it goes to the individual, but maybe it goes to the individual's charity. And when I mean significantly raise, I mean like the winner of the dunk contest gets, you know, five hundred thousand dollars. Two fifty goes to the player. Two fifty goes to the the player's choice. If they don't have their own uh, charitable foundation, it goes to the charity of their choice. And I think that's when guys will then think twice. You know, uh, a, a Zach Levine, um, possibly. Um, I, I know he would never do it, but somehow I'll get, you know, LeBron James back into it. Aaron Gordon. I mean, listen, Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, I think then becomes the highlight of Saturday night when you go back to it being all-star weekend, because people want to see that. But you also got to realize these guys are getting older now. And a lot of times, unfortunately, when you get to the all-star break, these guards, these guys aren't, aren't healthy and they don't want to participate or they think it, you know, it hurts their image as far as how people look at them. But I think if you can, if you just dump a month, bunch of money into the prize bank and talk about how much somebody that wins the dunk contest can actually win and what they can do for their charities, then I think people will maybe think twice about it. But I don't think it's something they can financially afford to do every year. 
but somehow, you know, do a year right now where some of those guys, I think, could make it really exciting. And on top of that, I mean, I have no problem with that. I just like to see something a little bit different. I don't. I think I've seen all the dunks, though, right? It's like people that's been, been in quarantine, they say, they, I've seen all of Netflix. I've seen every movie, right? It seems like I've seen every dunk. Like I, well, What I see from the slam dunk competition now, Will, is is the throwbacks to what was, right? I can see the Aaron Gordon dunk. I can see the Isaiah Ryder dunk. I can see the Dominique dunk. I can see that in the modern competitions because no one's doing anything new. We mentioned Blake Griffin earlier. Blake Griffin, he jumped over a car. We've never seen that before, right? I mean, so until it gets original where it's like, wow, I've never seen that before, until I can see something other than someone putting a, a, a cupcake on a on the uh, on the <laughs> on the rim, you know, and, and then blow it out. I mean, come on, we we gotta find something else. Uh, Everly Simons from Portland got a chance to speak to ESPN Radio after he wins the competition. Joined by the newest slam dunk champ, Anthony Simons of the Portland Trailblazers, has won the slam dunk championship. Anthony, first of all, congratulations. I know your teammate, uh, Derek Jones Jr., won it last year as a member of Miami. But what advice did he give you uh, coming into this as you kind of keep the championship in the family? Yeah, just he told me to stay calm. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, just enjoy it and make sure you make your first dunk. That's, that's, that's the, key to, the key to winning the dunk contest. And on your last dunk, did you think about kissing the rim, or were you just worried about getting your face out of the way? Because you had an opportunity to do it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I had an opportunity to put a mouthpiece on, but um, it didn't fit. So I wouldn't be able to, like, make a little swoosh face for the kiss. So um, I had to scratch it last minute. And then, you know, when I went up there, I was just saying, please, God, don't don't, don't bust, bust your lip or bust your, bust your teeth wide open or something like that. So... Um, I just try to get close as I can, make a face, and get, get my head out of the way. Yeah, that was awesome. A perfect toss, and uh, congratulations. That was great. Yeah, you I, you wore the T-Mac jersey on one of the dunks, but, I mean, what a cool time to grow up in Orlando with Dwight Howard, Aaron Gordon, Tracy. Yeah. Uh, I know Vince Carter was a big – I mean, who really set the tone for you to want to be a, a, a good dunker? Uh, definitely Vince at first. You know, just seeing, just seeing him as iconic 2000 dunk contest. And then um, last year, T-Mac. T-Mac was my hero growing up. And, um, you know, I looked up to him. That's the reason, one of the reasons why I went number one in the NBA. Um, so, you know, just seeing him be a high flyer. Obviously, he's taller than me, but, you know, seeing him be the top of his game and the top of his, top of his game, especially when it comes to dunking as well. So, you know, he just always influenced me. Well, you're uh, bringing some uh, hardware back to Portland. Enjoy the rest of uh, viewing the All-Star game, and congratulations. Appreciate it. Thank you. So Anthony Simons is the slam dunk uh, winner. So there you have that. And also for you guys that love the big guys in that uh, skills competition, I think that's fun. I think that's very underrated to see Sabonis from Indiana win that one. You know, it's, it's interesting how the game has evolved, Will, where you have bigs now being able to put the ball on the floor and, and have that – that skill to be able to go up and down the floor, going through cones and everything else to and be able to knock down shots. That's a fun competition, and so bonus wins it. It really is, and I think that's, what, three years in a row? Because last year was was it not Bam Adebayo, and the year before that it was Carl Anthony Towns. So, But that's also a, uh, an indication of how the bigs are having an impact on the game as well. You don't necessarily have a lot of guys that, you know, kind of root themselves down on the block and you know, just kind of bang guys into the paint and just kind of, you know, either shoot a left or right-handed hook. You got guys now that teams run the offense through. They put them up in the high post. 
obviously the Joker from Denver is the best example of that. You know, the ability to make the passes that he makes, but at the same time, he can knock down a three. He can stretch out the offense. The number of touches now big men get outside of the paint and how they run the offense and they become facilitators instead of scorers, they, they continually send a message every year. And jokingly, as a former big man, I'm like, do we need to eliminate guards in the skills competition? <laughs> you don't need them. <laughs> you don't need the little guy to go through there now. You just need a forwards and, and centers to be able to do the same things because that shows you where the league is now. A five is a one. That's that's what it is because whatever a bit whatever littles can do, bigs can do, and we see this on a frequent basis in the league. Well, what do they call it now? It's positionless basketball, and obviously because of the talent of some of these bigs, you know it's hard to argue. Well, you turn the clock back, a seventeen-year-old Will Purdue would have some some changes to make. I'd love well, to see I think you out I could, there. I, I'd have to continue to work on the three, but I could definitely run the offense through the high post, much like <laughs> Bam Adebayo does with the Miami Heat. I know that for a fact. <laughs> see, that would be great. See, need a different coach, though. Phil wouldn't let you do that. But another another coach. Absolutely not. <laughs> what your teammates say, Steph? What does Stacy say? The only guy that ever stopped him in the NBA was Phil Jackson. He was the toughest defender he ever had. That's uh, right. <laughs> so, so there you have it. All right, coming up, uh, we'll go through some second-half storylines for the NBA. And also, is it the Big Four in Brooklyn? We discuss it coming up next with Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you. The All-Star postgame show rolls on right here on NBA Radio. NBA Radio. NBA Radio. Series 207. XM86. Welcome back to the SiriusXM NBA Radio postgame show. Don't forget, coming up at 7 a.m. Eastern, it's going to be the starting lineup with Sam Mitchell and Brian Giltzeiler. That's all part of the mix right here on NBA Radio. Along with Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you in our all-star postgame show as we take a look at what happened on Sunday night and also review what's going to happen here in the second half of the NBA season. Here during the all-star break, Will, we found out that former all-star Blake Griffin agrees to a deal with the Nets. That came from Adrian Wojnarowski on Sunday. And so that'll be an interesting mix. We already know about James Harden and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving being part of this team. Now Blake Griffin tries to solidify the uh, inside for the Nets. So when that story came across, what was your initial reaction? Uh, I wasn't stunned by that because I, I think that, quite honestly, when you take when you go back and you look at all the reports at the the teams that were interested in him, I thought either the the Nets or the Miami Heat, quite honestly, were the best fit as far as what teams were looking for. But him also, quite honestly, putting himself in a position to win a championship, to kind of maybe change the narrative, change the legacy of, you know, who Blake Griffin is or was once he leaves the game. And obviously, even without him, a team that was starting to find its rhythm, 9-1 and one in the last 10 games, only a game and a half behind the Philadelphia 76ers for uh, best record in the Eastern Conference, even though Kyrie, KD, and James Harden had play, only played seven games together. And now you throw Blake Griffin into that mix. They are by far the best team in the Eastern Conference. And as you and I had talked earlier, I think that, you know, Blake realized this. 
so much so that he wanted to be a part of this team that he's actually helping the Brooklyn Nets by taking the, the veteran uh, veterans minimum instead of taking, uh, what was it, like one of the mid-levels that they had available that could possibly pay him up to $6 million. He's taking the, the veteran minimum that's paying like two, two and a half, something like that, just to have the opportunity to play for this team and help them win a championship. And I just, yeah, I think this really pushes them over the top and makes them the favorite to win in the East and represent the East in the NBA Finals. Yeah, Blake realizes that there was no real hope for the Pistons or where they are right now as a young team rebuilding with Grant. And so that's just not working. Derrick Rose is the first one to leave to go to New York, and now Blake Griffin is there. I think that solidifies the middle for them. Whatever you think of DeAndre Jordan, you could tell Will is at the tail end of his career. And so Blake Griffin, if he's healthy, can really pay dividends for Brooklyn. They already have a very stacked team. We know what Harden, Durant, and what uh, and Kyrie Irving can do when they're on the floor together. We only see them for a limited time, but we know individually how good they are. Now you just need to have someone that can be able to maximize their minutes. If I'm Blake Griffin, I'm like the bobblehead, up and you know, nodding my head up and down. Whatever Nash wants, Coach Nash, whatever you need me to do, more rebounding, yes. More offensive rebounding, yes. Anything that you need me to do because you have to be able to almost reinvent in this spot. Well, as you've told me, it's very difficult if you are Blake Griffin and used to being the man with Detroit, used to being the man with the Clippers, and now here you are in this role where you're maybe the fifth best player on the floor at the time, maybe the fourth best player. So you've got to be able to maximize the minutes that are given and maybe do something different that you haven't done before in the league. A little bit more stress on rebounding, assist, whatever it takes to increase your chances to win. You got to do it if you're Blake. Take a little less of yourself and add what you can to this already talented team. I, I always talk about when people, you know, sit here and talk about teams and what a teams need and what players have to do better. And sometimes, it's, as you're pointing out, it's, it's not so much necessarily what can you do better, but are you willing to make the necessary sacrifices to make your team better? Or in this case for Blake Griffin, make that sacrifice from an emotional standpoint, from a mental toughness standpoint because of who you used to be. You're no longer that player you used to be with the Clippers and when you first got to the Detroit Pistons. You're talking about a guy now that's, you know, he was shooting seven threes on average per game. That's how his game had changed because of, you know, the injuries that he's had to deal with over the last couple of years of his career. But you're exactly right. When you go back and look at Blake Griffin's numbers, surprisingly, over his career, he's only averaged double-digit rebounds twice. The first two years in his career. Now, you know, one year was 9.7, 9.6. But you would always think that that guy would have averaged more rebounds. And, you know, he's never been the greatest defender. But as you just pointed out, Jonathan, whatever they need from him, he needs to be willing to accept and do. And even if that means, you know, he's coming off the bench instead of starting. So what? You basically have a skill set that this team can use definitely they need and you now make them a favorite to not only represent the east but to win a championship but you know i know it's difficult to accept that whether whatever you want to call it demotion but the his legacy will change and the perception of him will change if he goes to the nets and they win a championship he'll be a vital part of that well give me a quick storyline or two for the second half you're looking forward to seeing 
Well, I'm interested to see, quite honestly, you know, I know everybody's talking about the Lakers and the health of the Lakers. Can the Utah Jazz keep up what they're doing? Same as the Phoenix Suns. But there's a team that's kind of, you know, in the basement at the present moment has really surprised me. I thought they, they would do much better, and that's the New Orleans Pelicans. As of right now, they're sitting 11th in the Western Conference. They're outside the, the playoff pitcher. And you're like, that's I'm, I'm really surprised by that. And it's not like by half a game. It's by three games. So they got, to, they got some ground to make up, and that's the New Orleans Pelicans. They got a new coach in Stan Van Gundy, but think about the talent. With Lonzo Ball, who's been playing really very well as of late, Brandon Ingram, Zion, uh, Stephen Adams. I mean, guys, Eric Bledsoe, Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes has been playing very well. They yes, they're young, but they also have a good mix of some veteran players. This team should be doing better than fifteen and twenty-one. I, I fully expected them, as did everybody else, to be a playoff team, and they need to start ramping it up, not tuning it down to get themselves squarely in the playoff hunt this team shouldn't be in a play-in game to try to make the playoffs and make it into a seven game series i've been disappointed in what they've done and they need to turn things around quickly as this second half gets started my friend as always it's a pleasure to work with you and we hope to do it again real soon the time flew by i enjoyed it my friend All right, that's Will Perdue, our four-time NBA champion. We thank you for listening and being part of our program here. Our thanks to Bill and Jill on the other side of the glass. For Will Perdue, I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks for listening to the NBA All-Star Postgame Show. The starting lineup is right around the corner, right here on NBA Radio.